Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, Old Time Music with Cameron DeWitt and Friends. This week's friend is Issa Burke. We recorded this last week over Skype, and I recorded my musical parts afterwards. Shout out to Get Up in the Cool's newest Patreon supporter, Andrew Sweet, and Nathan Hunt, who raised his pledge amount and will now join a select few others for the monthly online banjo workshop that I teach. Typically, I go over a tune that was recently featured on the show, and we all catch up a bit, and I make a video and a tab for anyone who can't make it. Oh, and it includes a free subscription to PitchforkBanjo.com, my instructional video series, and access to the Get Up in the Cool tune archive and the weekly bonus track. It's the ultimate support level for the podcast with all the rewards. If you're listening to this and you want to chip in like Andrew and Nathan, follow the link in the show notes to Patreon.com slash Get Up in the Cool. Sign up and help this podcast happen every week. Thanks again, Andrew and Nathan and everyone who chips in. One more thing before we get started, I have three upcoming public banjo workshops that I've been mentioning a lot in these intros. Follow the link in the show notes for links to those with more information. Hope to see you there. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Issa Burke. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. Oh, true lovers, 
what will we do then? Only take her in hand and walk on with my man. And we'll yodel it over again. What will we do? song oh That's thank the best. you <laughs> thanks i love that song too uh isa burke welcome to get up in the cool thank you thank you for having me where did you first hear it that is one of those songs i truly don't know where i first heard it <laughs> um yeah. i grew up in maine um and i suspect that i first heard that song at maine fiddle camp mm. um which is uh a, it's that sort of my first traditional music home um, and I just kind of kept running across that song over the years eventually I found the what's considered the original version which is the um, Mary Delaney version uh, great Irish ballad singer I heard uh, Foghorn String Band do it mm. um, I heard Eamon O'Leary do it I heard Lancome do it and at some point I was like I've just loved this song for so long <laughs> I want to also do it. And so then uh, I brought it to my band, Lula Wiles, um, and we do it. But I just recently uh, worked up a little solo version of it. So It's yeah. lovely. Thanks. Yeah, it's such a, such a lovely song. I was listening to your band do this song. It's the name of your most recent record. It right? is, yes. Yeah. What Will We Do? Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I was I was just trying to I was like where is that actually where's that song from like is there a source recording or something and then um I was just like looking it up and then the first thing I found was like a life hack like how to site that's like 31 <laughs> things to do when you have no money <laughs> I guess all that is is it's I think the reason it's so universal is because it's so universal yes <laughs> it's like absolutely yeah. <laughs> now those yeah. Those lyrics mm-hmm. are some of those original. The banker verse. That one. The, the verse about new forcibly to me. redistributing the banker's money. That was uh, me and my bandmates. I really appreciated that. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I, I mean, for a lot of reasons. Um, yeah. <laughs> but one of the reasons that I that I appreciate it, other than like you know redistributing wealth is important. Uh, <laughs> thumbs up in Skype. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> is is because like there's always this tension in the song which is the marriages, the hypothetical marriages in the song. Yeah, are totally. they are like does the does the person have agency in choosing or is it a coercive situation? And right. it, it almost seems like in that situation 
it seems like it's a coercive situation and they're like, yeah. oh yeah, I might get forced to, you know, by circumstance to get married to a banker. And right. then... Because <laughs> that, that phrasing of like, what will we do if we marry X person, it does imply a certain like, oh gosh, what will I do if I end up not yeah. of my own accord in that situation? Yeah. Um, I mean, that's... There's... I think this is just true of so many traditional songs. There's so much depth there and that's why these songs live on right i mean they they're phrased in these ways that suggest um suggest often so many different possibilities and i think that's that's so often what makes them so compelling to people you you listen and it you feel something but you don't quite know why because they don't explicitly say like i might end up having to marry this person because of xyz circumstance it just asks this question that makes you think what What's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's something that, like, today, I think people who choose their partners um, to whatever extent, uh, right. <laughs> we can appreciate it because it's a universal thing to feel like, oh, yeah, I'm sort of at the mercy of these people that I'm, like, for in whatever way, yoked with. And I, like, yes. have to deal with their decisions and yeah. their jobs and whatever <laughs> yeah. and their, their finances. Uh, but um, I like the idea of like the the peak back in time mm-hmm. and it's and it's a current problem too but it, which is like how how are women going to like uh, acquire and manage power um, mm-hmm. yeah i i love that that answer it's so deliciously subversive and i really yeah. appreciate it <laughs> yeah oh what will we do we will marry a banker and take all his money yeah <laughs> and redistribute it across the land <laughs> hmm so main fiddle camp. Yes. Where you probably Indeed. first heard it. Yes, I think so. Um, yeah, there's a big tradition at main fiddle camp of these late night campfire sings. Um, and I learned a lot of traditional songs that way. Um, and, and main fiddle camp is like so many traditional music spaces, this really amazing multi-generational um, often multi-tradition space. Um, And, you know, there are people bringing in songs and lots of, lots of families where, you know, the, the mom will sing a song and then she's taught it to her daughters who are also there. So Mm. they'll join in. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really amazing. And I think uh, I feel very lucky to have had access to that at a really young age because I, um, I see so many people uh, who are getting into traditional music and who are really stoked on it. And it's amazing that, you know, people who are coming to it later have access to the internet and like Slippery Hill and all these other amazing online resources where you can just like nerd out forever and ever. But I feel really lucky to have... Thanks, Sonia. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Shout out out to you. (laughs) Yeah, but I, I feel really lucky to have grown up in the tradition and just learning things around the campfire and not knowing where they came from. And, you know, it, it was all very, very organic for me. So, yeah. Did, did your folks play? Yeah. Do they play? They do. Yeah. My parents, um, their names are Susie Burke and David Surrett. Um, I have my mom's last name, feminism. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, they're both 
great traditional musicians. They play a lot of different kinds of music, um, but both very folk and traditional leaning. Um, my mom sings and plays guitar. My dad plays guitar and uh, various mandolin family instruments. Yeah. Um, and they both uh, they both teach a lot. But yeah, music is their their full time gig. So oh wow, was very lucky to grow up the way I did. Yeah, I mean, some people who are raised in that kind of environment say like, "Yeah, it's kind of complicated, and I kind of hate music now." And but like, what, what <laughs> not <did> I. <laughs> or like the instability of you know being in a musical household, you know. Or, yeah. Uh, I guess what. Um, what sold you on it then about the way that they presented music to you and made yeah. you want to do music as much as you do? Totally. Yeah, I think it was, I think my parents hit a really nice balance of encouraging both me and I have one sister who's a couple years younger than me. Um, they hit a nice balance of encouraging both my sister and I to to get really into music and but they didn't force it on us. I think they mm. just really they really tried to immerse us in music and when we showed an interest in something really kind of nudge us but not force it. Mm. Um and to be honest, I did push back a little bit not against music. I was super into music like from the get-go. Um my parents often tell a story about how I whenever I saw like a flat rock or any kind of surface that even remotely resembled a stage, I would get up and like do a little dance and sing a little song. <laughs> um, so yeah, well, it was like, okay, it was, it was unavoidable for me. Let's zoom in on that a little yeah, bit. Great. Like kid psychology. Is that about, it seems like the fixation there for you as a kid is, uh, is, is being on the stage, being like a center of attention, like, was, did you see music and, uh, as a, as a way to perform something or, or how, what's the balance of like, as a kid, oh, this is a, a way that I can kind of control my surroundings to my benefit, or I specifically like music. I think it was definitely both. Okay. Um, because I remember, you know, I'm not, uh, not going to lie to you. I think I definitely was uh, a little bit of an attention seeker as a kid yeah. and maybe to some extent still am. Uh, sure. so that was definitely part of it, but I that's think why I'm also, doing this show. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's why we're all doing <laughs> I mean, what could possibly more be more egotistical than saying, yes, I will come on your podcast. I want people to listen to me talk about me for one hour. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> I, I was also as a kid, just always like picking up whatever instrument was nearby. We had a piano in the house. I remember just messing around on the piano and trying to like figure out how to play melodies that I was hearing in my head. And, mm. uh, so I was doing a lot of that. And then sometimes I would be like, Hey, come listen to this thing I figured out. Um, or like, here I am at the bank and there's this big rock. I'm going to get up on the rock and do my little dance and sing my little song. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think my parents were just really like encouraging of all those impulses. Mm. Um, and, and that, that seems to have turned out well, but as I, yeah, what I was saying earlier, I did 
uh, sort of rebel against folk music for a little while. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I was really psyched on music from the beginning, but and on performing, clearly. But I had this perception that folk music and trad music um, was like for old people. It was like what my parents do. Yeah, stuffy mom and dad music. Yeah, and like none of my peers at school were into that kind of thing. Um, so I like I had a big classic rock phase because I saw the movie School of Rock starring Jack oh, Black, yeah. <laughs> uh, a classic. Um, yeah. And so I got like really stoked on Led Zeppelin for a while. <laughs> I, st- I mean, I still listen to Led Zeppelin. They're great. But uh, except for all of the, you know, stealing uh, black blues musician songs <laughs> and not the giving them credit. Except for all the ways they're terrible. <laughs> uh, what a complicated Hobbits. world we live in. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I thought folk music was for old people and then main fiddle camp was the first place that i yeah. met young people who were into traditional music and really doing their own thing with it i remember hearing uh the band crooked still mm-hmm. um the bass player cory demario and the original cellist rashad eggleston both taught at main fiddle camp oh um, cool and so yeah they and Efa o'donovan was like kind of a friend of my family a little bit um so i became aware of them at a certain point and i remember coming home from main fiddle camp and listening to the crooked still album shaken by a low sound and i felt like the world exploded <laughs> I was like, this is the coolest music I've ever heard. Mm. I want to do this and nothing but this. Um, and then I just went like full, full trad music. Um, and how, and how here I am. How did mom and dad respond? When, they were, uh, I think they were stoked. Um, I were mean, they were they, trying to, were they were like trying to be reserved and like let you have your space and not like celebrate too hard? <laughs> yeah, I think so. And honestly, they, they were, I think they were really genuinely just happy that I was into music no matter what. Like I also, yeah, uh, I also did a lot of theater <laughs> growing up and Mus- my mom. Musical theater? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. g- give us should your. We, should we dig into that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So my first role was uh, as Amaryllis in The Music Man. Okay, um, great. Yep, I did Bye Bye Birdie. I did <laughs> Cinderella. I did Susicle. That was a good one. <gasps> Who were oh, you in Susicle? I was one of the bird girls. Great. Yeah. <laughs> well, like the mean, like the mean girls, right? Yeah, like yeah. Bir- like Maisie. So Maisie's like the mean one, and then she has these like three sidekicks, and I was one of those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what probably one of the most upsetting Dr. Seuss stories, like the body <laughs> horror, the oh like, yeah. God. So you were one of those. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. And my mom, my mom is really into musical theater and show tunes, so she was happy about that. Like, I really mm. think they they would have been happy no matter what, but I think they probably were especially excited when I got really into traditional music. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I have more questions for you, but Great. maybe. Maybe we should do a tune or a song next. Yeah. What do you want to play next? Uh, how about I play the fiddle? <laughs> give, us a fi- give us a fiddle camp. Tune. I will. I'll give you a fiddle camp tune. Take us to um, fiddle camp. Yeah, I will. Here's a tune. It's a uh, it's a newly composed fiddle tune by um, a guy named Eric Merrill. 
who's very connected to the sort of uh, northeast fiddle scene. Um, and this tune has become really popular at Main Fiddle Camp. It's a big uh, jam tune. And I, when I was thinking about tunes that sum up Main Fiddle Camp, this was one of the first ones that came to mind, actually, just because I think it... Uh, it's such a wonderful kind of synthesis of like Irish and old time sounds. Um, and I think that's like main fiddle camp tune repertoire is really, um, there's a lot of like dorky old main tunes and like sure. the contra dance repertoire. Um, but people are also getting a lot more into old time at main fiddle camp. So I think people are especially, um, especially into like, the places where all of these things intersect. So this is just one of my favorite tunes to play. It's called Golden Ticket. and it's a fun one for banjo so there you go great i mean that was so fun for me to play in the past <laughs> love to play together yeah how old were you when you decided you were going to play music for a living yeah that is a good question i think that it was sort of a it was sort of a slow burn starting when I was maybe 13. I think because my parents were full-time musicians, it was kind of always on the table to some degree in a way that it might not have been to someone who didn't have musical parents. Um, but I think when I was getting into my teen years, 
um, and I started getting to know more young people um, who were maybe like 8, 10, 15 years older than me. Um, you know, a lot of the people that were sort of like, you know, when you're 13, people who are 20 are the coolest people in the world. And a lot of those yeah. people were uh, that I knew from fiddle camp were moving to Boston was kind of the place. And a lot of them were going to Berkeley, which I ended up going there too. And, um, and kind of getting started in the like Northeast folky scene. And so I really started seeing that more and more as something that I wanted, but I was really torn about it. Um, I just didn't, I didn't know what I wanted. Um, even up until, you know, I was, I was going off to college. And so I applied for a bunch of like liberal arts schools and a few music schools too. Um, but I'd always kind of known that it was really what I wanted, but I was just a little bit scared to like really go for it. Um, both in terms of like going to music school and pursuing music as a career. I think at that age, the two things felt very connected to me though. Obviously right. they don't, they don't necessarily need to be that way. Um, sure. but yeah, I remember my, my fiddle teacher in high school. Um, her name's Lauren Ryu. Uh, she gave me some of the best advice. Um, I was really, really worried about whether to go to music school or regular school, uh, regular college. And, I felt like that decision was going to shape the course of my entire life from then on. And she said, the only permanent decisions you can make in life are tattoos and babies. Everything else, you can change your mind. <laughs> sure. And I think about that a lot. <laughs> um, so I kind of, all of this is to say that my music career has in a lot of ways just been a continuous process of choosing to be a professional musician. Right. Rather than like at some point I decided this is what I'm going to do. End of story. Um, I was like, Ooh, should I play some gigs? Yes. Should I go to music school? Yes. Should I start a band? Yes. Should I quit my day job and make this band my job? Yes. Will I continue doing that now that COVID has happened? Who can really say? <laughs> sure. Um, so yeah, yeah you didn't you didn't say like a vow in front of no everyone I you know or something. Certainly like. not. <laughs> Wise. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Did you meet the rest of Lula Wiles at Berkeley? No, in fact, I met them at Maine Fiddle Camp. Oh, very good. So they're. No. They're, they're both from buds. yeah they're fiddle Great. camp buds yeah we're a fiddle camp band um and yeah both my bandmates ellie and molly um are from around here originally um and so we all yeah we all met at main fiddle camp cute yeah <laughs> that's that's so great very wholesome the first the first performance we ever did was at the main fiddle camp variety show uh, we did the song Fall on My Knees. Yeah. Per perfect. Yeah. <laughs> when did you all, like, decide to become a band and what yeah. that band would look like? I haven't listened to all of your albums. I don't know mm -hmm. if they're all, like, country, country adjacent, like in your last album. Yeah, or... it's, it's kind of a spectrum. Um, so the band... Again, similar to my music career, I guess because this band is, like, the primary force of my music career so far, um, the band also kind of 
almost happened by accident or like uh, there wasn't ever really a moment where we decided, okay, now we're going to start a band and we're going to do everything we can to make this band super successful. It's sort of just been like a, it started with me and Ellie playing a couple duo shows around Boston and then we thought we wanted to add a bass player so we asked Molly to come play with us and she very quickly made herself indispensable and we sort of realized we'd become a band <laughs> and uh and things just kind of continued from there at a certain point we did decide I think there was a big like moment of truth when um Molly had a couple years more of school than Ellie and I did she's a couple years younger than us and we decided we were gonna wait for Molly to be done with school and then like put a full-time yeah put full-time energy into the band. So that felt like a big sort of moment of truth when we realized, oh, yes, this we do want this to be sort of a, a primary force of our professional and general lives. Well, that's, that's so great. You were like, you two were willing to sort of tread water for a while and wait yeah. because yeah. it was special and it didn't make yeah. sense to like move on without her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it felt, it felt worth doing. Fiddle Camp Sweethearts. That's so lovely. Yeah. <laughs> what a lovely story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you you had another question that I didn't answer yet, which was the sonic vibe of our albums. I'm assuming it was all Led Zeppelin at first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we started right. off as a Led Zeppelin cover band in the style of Crooked Still. Cool. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> But yeah, no, we all were really inspired by a lot of the like, uh, the like modern string bandy bands that were coming out of Boston in like the early two sure. 2000s, like Crooked Still and Joy Kill Sorrow and bands like that. And also by all the people we knew from Fiddle Camp. So our first album, which was self-titled, um, is like mostly acoustic leaning, but it's got some like, we had some drums and electric guitar on that album too. That album feels like to me like less cohesive than the ones we're doing now. Like I think all of our albums have have this kind of like acousticy traddy leaning music to more indie Americana country leaning music and I think as we've gone on, we've sort of maybe moved the, like the window has moved slightly more towards like indie rock, but I think we have gotten better at like synthesizing all of those things together, um, which has been a really cool process because we're all very, I think, curious and like multi-interested musicians. So we've all kind of wanted to figure out like, how can you, how can you have all of these songs on the same album and make it feel like an album? Yeah, and make it not just seem like sometimes when people do that, it almost feels like a vanity project. Like they want to yeah. have a karaoke party by themselves, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know. Totally. And, but, and that does it does become hard because there's like there's three writers in the band, so we we have to kind yeah. of figure out how to put all the all the various elements together. Well, I think you all figured it out. Hey, I mean, what will you do is, <laughs> uh, what will we do is is a wonderful album, and thank you. It it there's definitely variation in it mm -hmm. but it feels like it all belongs in the same you know like there's a there's that moment when you're using like a streaming service where an album finishes and then it goes on to something else that the artist does and yeah. um you're like oh this must be a different album you know like yeah 
Yeah. Uh, I definitely didn't think that at any point during <laughs> what, what we do. I was like, oh yeah, Great. it's all like, it all makes sense, you know? Yeah, sweet. I didn't have to sweet. like check. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Cool. Were you going to say that I should do another song? Yes. Will you please? I will. Um, and I'll do a song. I'll do a song from what we do on banjo. Oh, great. Yeah. Are you going to um, do Shaking As It Turns? I was going to either do Shaking As It Turns or uh, Bad Guy on banjo. Oh, so great. <laughs> <laughs> Which one do you want to hear? Ah. Uh, um, well... I mean, I get, if I had to choose, I guess bad guy because I'm always right. interested in the um, the discourse around murder ballads. Yeah, let's do some discourse. Discourse. Let's, let, let's give the people some discourse. Let's lead the conversation, you and me, yeah, right yeah, now, yeah. definitively. Yeah, great. Yeah, great. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I I don't I didn't sing this song on the album, and it also didn't have banjo on the album. So this is also kind of like a exclusive alternate version of this song. Great. On that note, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> cool, I can't wait. Darkness upon 
Did you write this one, or was it a group effort, or? It was a band co-write. Um, primarily uh, between me and Ellie. She had she had some lyrics, like the first, or the second verse she'd written um, on its own. She didn't know what it was, didn't have any music, it was just the lyrics. And I'd sort of had, I'd been craving, um, a, you know, Lula Wiles contribution to the uh, murder ballad discourse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How come? And so, Why? Um, you know, it's so much a part of what folk music is and what trad music is. And um, it's something I have always had kind of complicated feelings about. And I also love, um, I've always been kind of fascinated by like, you know, feminist revenge fantasies, <laughs> whether that's like yeah. goodbye Earl or sure. nine to five or like anything in the sure. like, uh, sort Taylor of Swift just did one in her newest album. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. No body, like the, no crime. Yeah. Wow. Big vibe. Um, yeah. <laughs> she's like, I yeah. want to do it too. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so we, Ellie and I just sort of, started writing this together and then um molly helped us finish it in the studio as we were recording what will we do um and i think i think there's something so there is something so compelling about murder ballads like i think they're i don't know i listened actually to your your interview with elizabeth laprell and i think she really hit the nail on the head when she was talking about how like murder ballads and crime shows and all of these other like cultural touchstones that focus on violence and murder. Like there is something that feels, um, compelling and real. And it's, it's a way for us to engage with things that are maybe difficult to just like talk about in regular life. I think that the way that a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of, I mean, people of all genders have yeah. have engaged with murder ballads is in a in a fairly fetishistic way. Like yes. these days, these days when they're performing them, yes. when they're presenting them to an uh, to an audience, um, and I've seen a fair amount of men present them as like these sort of kind of gross fantasies. Yes, um, and. I've seen a fair amount of women present them as gross fantasies as well. Um, yeah. In, and I'm talking about both songs where women are the victims and what you're talking about, the, f- f- uh, the reversal, the feminist yeah. reversal. Yeah. Um, what, what I really like about bad guy is that it doesn't feel like you're fetishizing uh, the murder in the song, yeah. which I'm not specifically right now interested in like trying to shame anybody for like enjoying <laughs> anything 
but uh, we I don't, don't even, even need to get into that. <laughs> sure, but I uh, I don't want to yuck any yums. Yeah, um, yeah. at the moment I will yes. later. But yes, great. For the sake of this conversation, I like that this song is offering a bit of a different perspective, which is this this thing that often happens in like sexual politics, um, which is sometimes you have to do bad things in order to uh, free yourself from situations yeah. um, or to free yeah. other people. And yeah. you don't have to be happy about it. It doesn't have to be a good time. And yeah. maybe we, maybe there's something more powerful <laughs> to be engaged with there. And then I think so. Like, if you did this, this horrible thing, will, will there be some sort of path to redemption for you? Or will you, you know, will you be able to walk back from it? And right. I think that's really powerful. Thank you. I'm glad, I'm glad you feel that way. And that, that is so much of, I think what we were trying to accomplish with that song. I think that, you know, even though I did just say that, I think a lot of murder ballads are a way for people to like in a safe ish way for people to engage with violence. I think, also something that's really interesting about murder ballads is how like how plain spoken they often are about the murder yep. which that is so much of uh what often rubs me the wrong way when i hear men just like very with no sort of sense of like no critical eye at all are just like yep and then i killed her but and i'm like bro what <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so with this, with Bad Guy, it felt very much like, yeah, like we don't want to just be like, yep, and then I killed him. Hooray. Right. Um, goodbye, but, Earl. Yeah. <laughs> though I do love Goodbye, Earl. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Me too. But, yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't? Uh, but I think the song was sort of a a space for us to kind of obviously uh none of us have ever killed a man for abusing our sister or uh a woman close to us but i think this is not honestly, autobiographical song it's not strictly autobiographical this but is I think just a for the record thing <laughs> yeah, totally. i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> confess to any crimes uh cool. in a public <laughs> record um but this is just winking at me so much in the skype right now um <laughs> The most violent impulses, and maybe this is like kind of an intense thing to say, but the most violent impulses I've ever felt are towards men who have harmed women that are close to me. Yeah. And so I think there is, like when we recorded this song on on What Will We Do, I played fiddle and I recorded the fiddle. There were two fiddle channels happening. There was like an actual mic and then... I ran the fiddle through a blown out electric guitar amp and we kind of blended those together and it got this really kind of like greasy, slightly distorted, gross fiddle sound. And it's great. <laughs> thank it's you. The best. I loved it. It was it's exactly so what it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the the process of like recording that song and when we've played that song, it feels really cathartic. And I think that was a big part of what that song was about too. Just a way for us to express rage, honestly. Um, and also to engage with this history of murder ballads. And I think like, I mean, it. I don't know, this is, 
maybe obvious to some people, but like the rage I feel when I hear some dude uh, sing a very um, fetishizing version of Pretty Polly is very close to um, the rage that I feel towards men who have harmed women that I care about. And so this felt like a space in which to kind of explore that. Yeah, I... I have another podcast where we like uh, listen to artists' entire back catalogs. Um, cool, and we we covered the Insane Clown Posse. Wow, um, yeah, and we listened to all of the albums in order. Wow, and uh, <laughs> but um, the reason I'm bringing this up is this idea yeah. of like the carnivalesque. Like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. are you um, engaging with difficult subjects in order to be a pressure release? Uh, so that you can return to the status quo. That's often like what the jester or the clown is sort of for is Mm -hmm. like, we need to have one person who's allowed to like make fun of the King so that people won't revolt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like the, the feminist revenge, happy, funny, like uh, giddy version of, of the subversion of the, of the murder ballad. I, I, I sometimes am concerned that people won't take it seriously. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I like the idea of a man listening to that song and being like, oh, they're serious. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) they're mad. About feeling violence. And and they are, you know, the singers in the song are scared of the way that it makes them feel. Um, And I think that's a lot more of a chilling and moving to to me uh, as a person who's been assigned male. uh, Like... To, to hear it's like oh wow there's there's something real here this is not just a pressure release this is a an expression of something that uh isn't going to go away when the song is done yeah yeah and that that's so powerful that's so I think, good i think that's a really great way to look at it and i i think that now that now that you're saying that i think um I'm I'm happy that for me at least personally the song is able to be kind of both um but it is, I think it is definitely deeper than, than just a pressure release. That's a really cool, I'm glad that we got to that from Insane Clown Posse. <laughs> <laughs> this interview is going great. Yeah, yeah. One of the best. So good. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we chose that song as much as I love uh, the other one that we yeah. could have done. Yeah. But, um, well, let's do... Another tuner song, and then Great. let's talk about where people should go to give you money for goods and services. I love that. Great. All right. Here's a fiddle tune. Let's do a tune called Rhymer's Favorite from Alan Sisson. Yeah, I love this Great. tune too.
so great <laughs> thanks yeah that's a fun one i love playing that tune did you get that from uh from slippery hill or from a person or i think i learned that from bruce malski actually when i okay. was at berkeley and then totally forgot it and then saw it written down somewhere and then went back to slippery hill and relearned it <laughs> thanks bruce yeah <laughs> so lula wiles mm-hmm Oh, yep. you have you have some some vague announcements that will be yeah. more official later, yeah, right? <laughs> totally. So uh, Lula Wiles will be uh, putting out an album at some point. Uh, that's all I can say about it. But it will be um, what will we do is uh, out on Smithsonian Folkways, and this next album will be on Folkways as well. So you can you know, follow Folkways, follow us. Um, and then I also recently got a grant to help me buy some, uh, better recording gear to make a solo album. I think most likely it's going to be like a fully solo album. Um, I'm going to play a bunch of instruments, a bunch of electric guitar and, uh, make some weird noises in my room and, uh, you know, it'll, it'll be a real COVID album. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so that, that'll happen at some point this year. That's the great thing about applying for a grant to make an album. Then you actually have to do it. Uh, so yeah, you can, um, <laughs> people can find me on the internet, isaburk.com. Uh, I have a newsletter there. I'm sort of on and off social media. Um, but I, you know, I let the internet know when I'm doing things. So great. Yeah. And thank you so much for having me. This has been really, really fun. Thank you, Issa. This is lovely. Yay. <laughs> uh, you you also teach. Correct? Yes, I do. I do teach. Okay. Um, yeah, I teach mainly fiddle and guitar, songwriting, um, ear training, music theory, that kind of thing. So I'm easy to find on the internet. Great. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll, I'll link all that in, in the show notes. So everyone yeah, just please do, tap please and swipe do. around until you've purchased music and scheduled lessons and etc yeah great. <laughs> great what do you want to do for the last one uh for this last song i'll do um i'll do a song of mine uh that i wrote um in 2018 uh about an experience that i had climbing a mountain in austria um and musically uh Y yodeling? This, <laughs> no, no yodeling okay. involved. Um, but the uh, the guitar part for this song um, was really the first thing that I wrote, and I was really thinking a lot about um, 
just like the minimalism of a lot of traditional music styles and how especially old time guitar um so much of the story is told through the bass line yeah and uh even when there's very little else happening and so i uh similarly to what i did with that version of what will we do just tried to see how many elements i could take out and still tell a story um and so that's that's where this came from uh the song is called wake up
visit Issa's website, isaburke.com, to subscribe to her newsletter, inquire about lessons, and find other ways to support her music making. Make sure you're the first to hear the official announcements about her new albums. You can follow Lula Wiles in all the places online, except Parlor, I guess, and visit their website at lulawiles.com. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series and check the show notes for links to my upcoming banjo workshops. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set, mentioned in this week's episode. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. 